Thank you for joining the Faith Chapel podcast. Wherever you may be joining us, we hope you know you are loved and that this message encourages you. They asked me to, the team asked me to wear this. How do I look? Well, thank you very much. Wow. I'm taken, but thank you. <laughs> um, we've got some gear. We have some new gear back there for you, but we're glad that you're here. Welcome to Faith Chapel. We're, we're honored to have you here. Today, we're going to continue in our series. I want to ask you to get out your bulletins, in your bulletins, get your outlines out of your bulletin. And we've been going through a series called Beyond, where we're learning to live a life that is beyond ourselves by looking at compassion, living a life beyond ourselves through compassion. We're looking at those moments in Jesus' life where, where it was said of him that he had great compassion. And then it caused him to act. Because of his compassion, he began to move. He began to do something. He looked with these eyes, and he saw the need that was there. And because there was a need, he began to move. There was compassion. There was movement. We're need, we need in our lives to have the same kind of compassion in our hearts and our life that Jesus had. We need, to, we need to live a life that's beyond ourselves, that sees beyond our own needs, that sees beyond our selfishness, that sees beyond our own world and began to impact the world that's around us. And I believe that happens when we have compassion, the compassion of Christ in us. In fact, for our big idea for the whole sermon series has been this, is that, is that compassion is God's love in action. The compassion is God's love in action. And if you're one of our special guests that are here today, and, and, and we want you to know that God has a purpose and a plan for your life. We want you to know that God loves you. We want you to know that you're not here by accident. We want you to know that we are glad that you're here and that we would love to have you come back next week as our honored guest each and every week to come, up, to come and be a part of the Faith Chapel family. You'll find that this is a loving and a forgiving and a gracious place, and we welcome you. and We're glad you're here. And the reason why that we're giving out turkeys, the reason why we're giving out food boxes, and the reason why we're doing all this is so that you can experience God's love in action. Amen. We want you to feel the compassion of Christ. We want you to be a part of that in our world. Go ahead, give God praise. That's okay. Because that's what it's all about. The people will see our good deeds and they'll glorify our Father. It's not really about us. It's about showing the compassion and the love of God. It's God's love in, in action. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 35, we have one of those other verses that talks about the compassion of Christ. And it says this, that Jesus went through all the towns and the villages teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God and healing every disease and sickness. In verse 36, and when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Why? Because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Now, we need to understand the context of this verse. We need to understand the narrative here because it's a part of a much greater narrative. Jesus is being moved with compassion, but there's a whole lot more that's going on than what I just read to you. 
In fact, all, there's several episodes that take place that led up to this moment where Jesus is moved. You remember the word compassion is that there's a feeling deep down, that there's a, a moving, a stirring deep down that you feel when you see a need. And there's all these episodes, all these stories, all these things that took place before Jesus all of a sudden looked out and all of a sudden he was moved, he felt, he was stirred with compassion. And it all began with the synagogue ruler coming to Jesus. And this synagogue ruler comes to Jesus and says, my daughter is dying and if you'll come to my home and you'll lay hands upon her, then she'll, she'll be well. And so Jesus immediately left what he was doing right there in the middle of everything. And that divine interruption, he said yes. And he began to make his way towards the synagogue ruler's house. And his name was Jairus. But as he was pushing through the crowds, and there was a huge crowd that was there, and a huge crowd that had followed Jesus, and there, the city was busy with the festival that was going on, and there were so many people that there was also a lady that was there that day. And a lady began to push through all of the people. And she was trying to make her way to Jesus. You see, she had an issue of blood, the Bible says. She had been bleeding for 12 years. In fact, the Bible says that she had gone to the doctors and, and things have gotten worse. And she had spent everything that she had, all of her earthly possessions, just trying to get healthy. But she thought to herself that if I could just get to Jesus... And all I would have to do, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, if I could just touch his cloak, then I know that I'll be made whole. And she begins to go through the crowd. And you understand, she's breaking the law. She's ceremonially unclean. She's supposed to, every time she goes out, she's supposed to walk around going, unclean, unclean, so the people can part. And so no one will touch her because if you touch her, you would automatically be made unclean. And so she's breaking the law, she's going through silently, she's rubbing shoulders with these people, and she finally gets to Jesus, and she just reaches out through a group of people and touches him. And immediately, the Bible says she was whole. But Jesus, being perceptive, knows that power has left his body, and stops in the middle of all of this crowd. And he said, who touched me? The crowds are, you know, the disciples are discontent a little bit, there's a... Master, who touched you? All of these people, and we're walking through, and there's people touching people and shoulders touching shoulders, and what do you mean, who touched you? And he said, I know that someone's touched me, and at that moment, she fell at his feet. She said, it is me. She knew she had broken the law, but she was desperate for an answer. Have you ever been in that place where you've been desperate? an answer from God that you didn't care what was going on you didn't care who the people were around you you didn't care anymore about those people that maybe had provided that kind of peer pressure that kept you from stepping out or doing something you didn't care anymore you were at your last wits end and you just needed hope you needed an answer you needed to touch the hem of his garments and she threw herself down there knowing that she had broke the law that by their custom she could be taken out and stoned she told her story, and Jesus said, it's okay. Go. Your faith has made you well. Amen. And the Bible says that before he even finished saying those words, there were some men from Jairus' house. They had to have been a little frustrated seeing this entire thing play out because now the news that they were delivering was this, is that Jairus, your daughter, is now dead. 
You can imagine the way Jairus felt in that moment. We paused here for just a minute. We stopped, and you took care of this woman. And now my daughter is dead because you took care of her. But immediately Jesus turns to him and said, Do not give up, my friend. Keep the faith. They walked into the home, and there was professional mourners, and they were wailing, and they were crying, and there was flute players playing dirge songs. And, and they said, she's dead. And he said, she's not dead. She's simply asleep. And the Bible says that they laughed at Jesus. Can you imagine? After all the miracles he's done, they said they laughed at him. So he asked them to leave, and he goes to her room, and he takes her by the hand. And he says, little girl, get up. With just simply those words, she sat up, and she was alive. He says, get her something to eat, and she began to eat. And so Jesus begins to leave Jairus' house. And as soon as he steps out of Jairus' house to go about his business, to go where he was planning to go from the very beginning of his day, there were two blind men that were there. And these blind men were saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on us. And he kept walking through the, stra- through the crowds. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on us. And he just kept walking to where he was going. And the Bible says he entered into another place. We don't know what that place was, a business or another home. But they followed him in there. They were desperate. They were blind. They needed a miracle. And Jesus said, do you believe that I can do this for you? They said, yes, Lord, we do. And he prayed for them, and they were healed. And Jesus left that place, and as he walked out, think about it, he walks right out. And as soon as he walks out of that place, a demoniac was brought to him that could not speak. Jesus lays his hands on him, casts out that demon, and the man begins to speak immediately. It's not a bad afternoon of ministry, is it? (laughs) But in case you're not following, let me just recap. Jairus' daughter is dying, divine interruption. Woman with an issue of blood, healed. Goes to Jairus' daughter, raises her from the dead, comes out, divine interruption. Desperate people needing God to heal them. They were blind. They follow him even to a place. Then he leaves there, and here's a demoniac, delivers him, and that man can now speak. He's no longer dumb. This is the context. This is the setting. This is the story. This is the narrative. This is the broader picture of the verses that we read just a few minutes ago. And it was after all of those events took place that Jesus, is stop, Jesus stops, and he looks over the city, looks over the masses of people, he makes, and he is moved with compassion. And as he's moved with compassion, he makes this statement. They're like sheep without a shepherd. This overcrowded, this active city with people coming and going, with people not even paying attention to what he had done earlier in the day. With all of this commotion, with everything that was going on, with everything that was consuming their time and their schedules. It sounds like Christmas in America to me. Jesus saw that they were hopeless. They were in need of a shepherd. 
There was pain, there was suffering, there was lostness all around him, and the people didn't know where they were going, and they didn't even know what to do, and they didn't even know the solution to their own problems. In other words, they were just simply lost, and they were wandering around. Jesus said they need a shepherd. Here's the amazing thing. Jesus says, I'll be your shepherd. Because of compassion, he just looked at him and said, you're wandering, and you're lost, and you're hopeless, and you're helpless, and you're going in a place that leads to nowhere. You're going to a place that will eventually lead eternally to his destruction. You have no future. You have no hope. You have no, you have no, you know, you have no, you're not moving towards your destiny. You're not moving towards the things that, that your heavenly father had created you for. And you need someone to help show you the way. You need a shepherd. And Jesus says, I'll be, I'll be your shepherd. In John chapter 7, he talks about it a little bit. Now in your notes, he says this. He's, this is Jesus. And he says, listen, I will be, I will be your shepherd door. John chapter 10, verse 7, it says this. He says, I am the gate. Rather, yeah, verse 7. He says, I'm the gate and whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and they will find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come that you might have life and have life to the full. Say, to the full. That's what Jesus said. I want to come, and I want to be your good shepherd. I want to be your great shepherd. I want to help lead, and I want to help guide you so you can have life to the full. He says, I'm the gate where all that happens. Now, let me help understand this for me. I need some people to help me understand, to help kind of illustrate this. I just need a couple of people that don't mind getting up on the stage. Huh? I got some people. You've never been shy a day in your life, have you? No. All right, come on up there. Come on up there. Come on up there. Come, come on up. You want to come up? Sure, come on up. One more. You'll be one of the young people. We'll get one of the young people in here. Everybody's pointing at you. Is that okay? Come on up. Come on up. Thank you for, thank you for volunteering. I think you volunteered. Now, come on in here. This is our this is our this is our corral. This is our sheep cage. Now, in in, in Jesus' day, this is much much bigger, right? This is much much bigger, and, and and they would have you know a whole herd of sheep would be in there, and uh, you guys go ahead and get comfortable if you want to. You sit down, have fun. I mean, do whatever you want to do. And this is what Jesus meant by the fact that he was the gate, and they would understand this in their culture. Because he would take the sheep, a shepherd would take the sheep and they would take them to green pastures. He would take them to the babbling brooks and they would get something to drink, they'd get something to eat. And then he would bring them back at night and he would stick them in, a, in their crowd. He'd stick them in this cage. But it didn't have a door on it. The shepherd would lay down and he would be right here. And this is where he would sleep at night. And if the sheep tried to leave, he would feel that against his leg. And he would say, no, no, it's not safe out there. There's thieves out there that come to kill, steal, and destroy. There's wolves and foxes, and there's all kinds of bad things. And I care for you. Stay right here until sunset. We'll go get something to eat when the, when the dawn comes. Sometimes there would be a wolf that maybe would be so hungry that it would dare to come up upon the, the pen. And he'd take his shepherd's staff and he'd get up and he would begin to just raid him off, you know, and scare him off so he'd run away so that the sheep could be kept safe 
where they are. See, they would understand this immediately. Jesus said, I'm the door. He said, I'm the door. And if you, if you want to be saved, if you want to have a life of full, if you want to have a life of abundance, you have a future and you want to have a hope, if you want to have meaning in this life, if you want to make sure that every single one of your days that aren't wasted, but they actually have purpose and meaning. He said, just step through the door. And he said, when you step through the door, he says, here's what happens. He says, when you're hungry, I hope you guys like chocolate muffins. He's like, thank you. I volunteered. I'm glad I'm up here. Here, you can just pass these out. See, the shepherd would make sure, in case your hands get sticky, I don't think. If they were hungry, he'd feed them. Right? He's like, praise God, it's a good Sunday. And when they were thirsty, he brought them bottled water, Perrier. Amen. It's not Perrier. I'm just making that up to be funny. But you should keep them right here. They're yours. They're yours. So this is what Jesus would do. Now, don't miss this. This is what he's saying. He's saying, he said, look, I'm the door. And if you want abundant life, you want to be taken care of, you want to be fed, you want to be watered, you want to, he goes, just come through me. There's all kinds of destruction there's all kinds of distractions. And there's all kinds of things that are out here that can, in the world that can hurt you. He goes, but if you'll step through me, if you'll step through the door, he goes, I'll keep you safe. Now, you can see this in a completely different way. You see these, these walls that are up? A lot of people look at these walls and they go, oh, Jesus just is trying to keep us from doing something. He's just trying to keep us from having fun. He's just trying to keep us. He's trying to take all the fun out of it. So he tells us we can't do all this stuff out here. No, no, that's not what it's about at all. You're missing the point. The reason why Jesus put these up and he brings us in here is so he can protect us. And when you choose to get outside and do it your way, now all of a sudden you put yourself in a position to where you feel like you know best and now you're not covered. And now you don't have a shepherd And you're just like the ones that are in the story. You're helpless, hopeless. You don't have a future. You don't have a hope. You're wandering aimlessly towards destruction, and you don't even know it. And that's why Jesus said, look, I volunteer. I want to be your your shepherd. And he goes, if you'll just come, I will be the door, and I will make sure that nothing gets in that shouldn't get in. I'll make sure that you don't get to where you're supposed to go. He goes, I'll watch you. I'll guide you. I'll lead you into paths for righteousness. I'll take you into, into valleys. I'll take you into green pastures. I'll show you where I want you to go. He goes, I'll go, and I'll guide you. I'll make sure. But just make sure that you're keeping me first. You know the psalm, right, the 23rd psalm? The Lord is my personal. You know, he's big enough and able enough that we're his shepherd. We're his sheep personally to every one of us. The Lord is my shepherd and I will, how many of you know what the next verse is? I will lack nothing. Why? Because he's the door. He's providing for us. He's making sure he leads us into green pastures for his name's sake. He's making sure he leads us beside quiet waters when we're thirsty. He's restoring and refreshing our soul. He guides us along the right paths so we don't have to go into destruction. That's what he promises to do. 
You see the context of this story. He looked at them with compassion, and they were sheep without a shepherd. He said, come on into the fold, and I'll take care of you. I'll give you some, something to eat. I'll give you some refreshment. I'll, put, I'll help put, a, put a, 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 a fencing around you. I'll help protect you. I'll watch over you. This is what he was saying. So let me just ask you the question. When, when, when will you stop wandering around and doing it your own way and just say yes to Jesus and walk through the door? I mean, it's time to stop doing it in our own self, isn't it? It's time to stop saying we know better. It's time to stop holding on to the reins and living life the way we want to live it. It's finally time to just say, God, we believe that your way is best, and so we're going to walk through the doorway, and we're going to become a part of your family, the family of God. Amen. The good shepherd in your notes, number two, he sacrifices his life. Listen to what it says in John chapter 10, verse 11. You guys can have a seat if you want. I'm going to be up here the whole message now. You volunteered. I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and he runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters. That's the distraction. That's the destruction we talked about. And the man runs away because he's a hired hand and he cares nothing for the sheep. See, Jesus isn't a hireling. He's our Savior. Jesus came. We got a wandering sheep. There you go. That's, that's the power of Jesus right there. <laughs> and now... To draw you in would be very hard right there. This is going to be difficult. But Jesus, can I just say, loves the sheep so much. He said, I would be willing to lay down my life. In fact, he proved that he did that, didn't he? So when the hireling, when, when the wolves come or when the thieves come or when destruction comes, a hireling go, I didn't sign for this. I'm not, I'm not giving my life for, for, for you. And they take off. But Jesus said, this is the whole reason why I came. That I could give my life. As the perfect sacrifice for sin. When the hiring lungs runs away, the shepherd lays down his life. Defending and fighting for his sheep. And then thirdly, very quickly, is that the shepherd knows the sheep. <laughs> it's good when sheep take care of sheep. That's what you're supposed to do. I can't do it all. Amen. But he knows the sheep. Listen to what it says. I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep. The word know there is the word that is also used for intimacy between a husband and a wife. Can I just say that God knows you intimately? He knows you full well. He knows you. And he loves you just the way you are. You don't have to change to be a part of God's family. You don't have to change to come and be a, a part of, of, of the family of God. You don't have to change to come through the door. God accepts you exactly the way you are. You don't have to change your clothes. You don't have to change your attitude. You don't have to change the way you look. You don't have to change anything. You don't have to change a thing. The only thing you have to do is say, Lord, you're my shepherd, and I realize that now. I want to be a part of your flock. I want to be part of your family. Forgive me of my sin. Come into my life. 
And he promises that's what he'll do. He knows you full well, but yet he loves you just the same. Has there ever been a moment in your life where you weren't lovable? (laughs) There's about four honest people in the room right now, about four (laughs) honest people. You know, when you think about it, we've all probably done things or said things or been a part of things maybe we wish we wouldn't have. The amazing thing about God is that he loves us just the same. There's nothing you can do to make God love you more. There's nothing you do to make God love you less. So let me ask you the question. Let me just wrap this up. Once you walk through the open door, just say yes to Jesus. Once you accept Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, when he willingly gave up his life for you, the Bible says that he demonstrated his love for us in this, that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus knew, he knew his sheep, he knows his sheep, he knows you, he knows what you have need of. The amazing thing is this, is he has a future and a hope for you. He has a plan for you. He wants to come alongside you and help you understand that, help you find that. But it starts by just saying yes to Jesus. So if you bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment, can I ask you, How many of you are here, maybe, that you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior? That you really don't know him? Because, see, it says in this verse that that he knows you, but he also says that the sheep know him. And we're not talking about knowing a few things about him or being able to quote a few verses about him. We're talking about do you really know him? Know him. You see, that's what it's all about. It all starts there. Maybe you're in this place today and you don't know Christ as your Savior. Maybe you, maybe you did years ago. You find yourself here today in this moment and there's a stirring going on in your heart. There's something happening right now inside you. Can I tell you, that's the work of the Spirit. He's bringing conviction into your life. Saying, conviction, what is that? It's just a... It's a Bible word, it's a church word that just means that he's trying to reveal to you that you need, that you need him, that you're a sinner. In fact, the Bible says that all of us are sinners, that there's no one righteous, no, not one, including you, pastor, especially me, pastor, not one. And that we all need, we all need a savior, we all need the Lord. So as we get very real in this moment, in the quietness of this moment, let me just ask you, do you know him? See, he knows you and he loves you just the same. You don't have to change to receive his grace or his mercy or his love. But he is going to ask you to do something. He's going to ask you to open up your heart and let him come in. He's going to ask you to say yes to that sacrifice. He's going to ask you to make him your Savior and your Lord. So I don't know how to do that. You know, God makes it so easy for us. He said, all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. It's not really in a prayer. I'm going to lead you in a prayer in just a moment, but there's nothing magical about the prayer. Really, it's the intention of your own heart. 
If you're sincere in your relationship with God, if you want a star relationship with God, and you're sincere and honest, then God's hearing that prayer. So if you're here all over across this building, from the left to the right, the front to the back, all over this place, right now in this moment, when I count to three, you say, I need to say yes to Jesus. I need a good shepherd in my life. I need God to move in my life. I need God to do something for me. And it all starts with the forgiveness of sin when you become a part of his family. Are you ready? All across this building. One, two, right now. Come on, put them up right now. Ready? Three. Put them up. Say yes, Jesus. Yes, yes, yes to Jesus. Yeah, come on. Keep them up. Keep them up. Keep them up. Keep them up. Come on. Be honest. Be honest with God. I'm going to ask you as your hands are raised, I'm going to ask you to stand right to your feet, right where you are. That's all I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to just stand with your, your hands up. I'm just going to ask you to go ahead and stand right where you are. Come on. There's going to be people that are going to come to you right now. And... But this is the most important thing that we'll do in this service. You're the most important moment of this service. And so we want to take the time right now. There's some people in the balcony, guys, who help us. I want everybody to say this prayer. Remain standing. Everybody say this prayer. Say, dear Jesus, I'm asking you to forgive me of my sin. I'm asking you to come into my heart. I make you my Savior and my Lord. And from this day on, I choose to walk with you. I choose your love for me. Thank you for forgiving me. And thank you for loving me. And I ask it all in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Come on. Amen. You can be seated. We're not quite done here. We're not quite done. Guys, you got five more minutes? I see you sat down. Good job. Smart, smart. If you're a believer and you're in this room today, let me just talk to you just for a moment. Because we're not quite finished. Jesus looked at the crowd. He saw their needs. He had compassion on them. And he turned to who? Who did he turn to? He turned to the disciples. That's you and I. And he said the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are, what is it? Few. We tend to look at this in light of a mission service and we think, oh, we have the harvest field, the whole world. And, and boy, we've got to get out into the harvest. We've got to send laborers in the harvest. We've got to pray that God will send laborers into the harvest. Remember the whole context. Here's Jesus in one setting. He's just walking a few blocks and all these miracles are happening. And it causes him to stop and say, I can't do all this by myself. But look at how much need is around me. In fact, the very next chapter, he sends those disciples out into other towns by twos, by two, by in twos. And he looks out over this incredible crowd and he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And he makes this statement. He said, there's so much need, but the workers are few. In fact, he knew this was gonna be a problem so he said, I don't, I don't want to just acknowledge it. I, got, I want you to make it a matter of prayer 
that you'll pray that the Lord of the harvest, God, our Heavenly Father, that He will send forth. That word is to thrust violently, to force people into the harvest field so they'll do the work of ministry. Can we get honest before we leave here today? The harvest is just as big as it ever has been. And the laborers are still few. We spent four weeks talking about compassion. And I think the concern of any pastor when they do a series is this, is that we'll just move on to the next series of messages. We'll just be stirred or inspired or motivated by the next series of messages that we'll forget the last things that we've been taught. So let me just end it this way. What about you? What about you? Where are you? See, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. God has given every single one of you in this room a gift. He's given every single one of you in this room a talent. The moment you said yes to Jesus and his spirit came into your life, he gave you spiritual gifts. He placed an anointing upon you from the most holy one. And I'm just asking you before we leave and before we say one last prayer and we go out, I'm just asking you, are you using that gift? Are you using those talents? Are you seeing with eyes of compassion the need that's around you? Are you volunteering? Are you being a part of making a difference in your world? You see, that's what Jesus was talking about. He wasn't talking about the globe. He was looking around, he was seeing the, the need that was there in that one city. And he said, the harvest is plentiful. One passage says it's ripe unto harvest, meaning it's beyond the picking season. It's about to rot on the vines. That there are people that are willing to come to Jesus. There are people that are willing to experience the bread of life. But there's nobody there to serve them. There's nobody there to take care of them. There's nobody there that will shepherd them. So let me just ask you and we'll pray. Who are you supposed to be shepherding? Who are you supposed to be serving? Who are you supposed to be through acts of compassion? Remember, compassion is God's love and action. Who are you supposed to be showing that to? And can you, right now before we leave, can we take that to the Lord? Can we make a covenant with God? Not to be broken, our yes to be yes, our no's to be no. Can we... Can we make sure that we're taking this seriously and we're taking this before the Lord and we're placing it on the altar saying, God, this is the person or these are the people or this is the place. It may be in the church, may not be. I'm not, I'm not recruiting workers here this morning. I mean, we had service here today. Things went fine. We could always use a few more hands, of course, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about your world where God wants you to be serving. And can you just put that on the altar right before you, before we leave here this morning? And be honest before God and say, Lord, that's my harvest field. Pray for me. That God, that I'll be thrust into that harvest field. That I'll overcome fears. That I'll overcome whatever's holding me back to serve the people that you've called me to.
I want to make a difference. It's ripened to harvest. And I know the workers are few. I'm volunteering. How many volunteers we got this morning? Not signing up for ministry. Come on, how many volunteers we got this morning? You want to be used wherever God places you, whatever your world is. I want to be a volunteer. I'm volunteering, God. Lord, you see what's happening right now in our hearts and our lives. You see everything that's moving that's going on in, our, in this service. You know, every person, God, with an uplifted hand, you know, every person, God, and the world in which they live in, the people that you have caused their paths to cross multiple times, maybe a week, people that are ripe unto harvest, people that they're to serve, people that they're to see with eyes of compassion, that they're sheep without a shepherd. God, and we can shepherd. We're all called into the ministry of reconciliation. We're all called, Father, as the family of God to to be ambassadors of Christ. So Lord, whatever we place on the altar, and people are doing that all across this congregation this morning, we're really placed upon that altar. Lord, would you, would you receive it today? Would you bring it back to our members? Would you help us to be as bold as lions and gentle as doves? Would you help us not to operate in fear for you've not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Would you help us to see through eyes of compassion those that are hurting, helpless and wandering. God, all around us, sheep without a shepherd, hopeless wanderers. And God, would you help us to reach out to them, I pray. And God, I ask it all in the name, the name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. Hey, thank you so much for joining us today. If you hadn't already, go ahead and subscribe to our podcast. If you'd like to further connect with us here at Faith Chapel, visit us online at faithchapelsd.com or on any social media platform at faithchapelsd. We hope to see you real soon.